Turn your Bibles. Uh, we're really going to be concentrating in a couple different books here. Um, we're going to start off in the book of John, chapter 11. We're going to have some verses in between, but if you want to go to John 11, as you're turning there, a couple years back, our dog ate a bunch of our uh, Scrabble pieces. It was a really, uh, that situation could have really spelt disaster. I got hit in the head the other day with a full can of Coke. I was okay, though. It was a soft drink. It's a soft drink, Carly. Didn't hurt too bad. Amen. Be honest. So we're going to start off this message with some honesty, right? So I want everybody to be honest. Have you ever felt one time or another that God just didn't come through for you? Maybe you felt that he let you down or he was just too late when you went to him in prayer. He just answered you too late. If so, you're in pretty good company. I want you to know that first and foremost. The Bible gives us several examples of some of God's most, you know, most faithful servants who fell into the, this, uh, who felt the same way that you did at one time or another. Felt that God let you down or, or God was just too late when he came through. So the question is, why do we feel this way at times? Why is it that we feel this way at times? So one of the answers is, is our difficulty seeing through the years, seeing through the years. Now, this is talking about time. We think about time. Everything we do is measured in time. Everything. Think about our life, our structure. Everything is measured in time. We have a time to wake up. We have a time to go to bed. We have a time to go to work. We have a time to eat. We have a time to do this. We have a time to do that. Everything that we do is measured in time. And that's just the short term. When we're talking about, you know, minutes and, and hours. We also measure time long term, don't we? We measure time in years or months and years and, and even decades. You know, things like that. We talk about our age, right? We measure that in years. Sometimes decades and sometimes half centuries, right? Um, you know, our career, you know, usually we look that in, in terms of, of the long term in years. So everything we do is bound by time, is measured in time. Now, second thought on that, there are also many things around us that are bound by time and we have no control over. You know, for instance, the average commuter will spend six months of their life, 24 hours a day, six months straight through, commuting to work. That's just the average commuter. Some have more. The average commute is about 26 minutes. Some commute even longer than that, so they're wasting even more time of their life. The average commuter also spends about seven months or the average driver, not commuter, the average driver spends about seven months waiting at red lights. Just sitting at a red light. We spend four years of our life doing chores. 
We spend three years of our, yeah, this one's kind of amazing. We spend three years straight through, 24 hours a day, three years of our life eating. Amen. Three years. All right, listen to this one. We spend 10 years of our life on Facebook or daydreaming. Now, that one is in our control, but I want to throw it out there anyhow. Amen. 10 years of our life on Facebook and daydreaming. So our lives are absolutely bound by time. Amen? For me, my wife will tell you, I'm a stickler for time. I hate being late. It bothers me to be late. Amen? If I'm not early, then I'm late. If I'm on time, I'm late. Amen? All right, man, come on. I know you're with me. How many of you give your wife the countdown? You know, the countdown. Honey, we have, uh, in an hour, we have to leave, right? 30 minutes later, honey, 30 minutes, we have to get going. Babe, 15 minutes, we have to be in the car. And then the other one goes out. Come on, honey, we're 10 minutes late. We should have left five minutes ago. Amen? We give that countdown, don't we? Right? But time is a very powerful thing in our lives. Amen? And we are controlled by it in some way, shape, or form at all times in our life. So there are times when we feel that God just, he just didn't understand what we needed and how quickly we needed it. Amen? Lord, you don't understand. I need this now. Sometimes we feel that way, isn't it? So, we need to understand a couple of things about God and how it relates to time. We understand how much time affects us, so we need to understand how it affects God. First and foremost, God is not bound by time ever. Amen? God is never bound by time at all, ever. God does not wear a watch. There are no clocks in heaven. Amen? God exists in eternity. He has no beginning. He has no end. God is not bound by time. Matter of fact, God cannot be bound by anything. Amen? especially time. Second thing that we need to understand about God is that God is always right on time. God is never early. God is never late. He is always on time. His timing is always perfect. Amen? Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Amen? So let me give you a, a Bible example of our difficulty seeing through the years. Again, we're, we're talking about time. Some 2,000 years ago, Israel was in dire straits, the nation of Israel. They were in dire straits. They were living under the, the bondage and, and control of the Roman Empire. And more specifically, they were under the control of a, of a very paranoid and nasty 
king. His name was King Herod the Great. They were under that, that Roman control, that Roman bondage. And they were desperately in need of a Messiah. They were desperately wanting Messiah to come. They wanted him to take back the throne of David. They wanted him to sit on that throne and, and rule. And when news came that Messiah was born, when news came that a king was born, what did King Herod do? Paranoid King Herod immediately sent out an order to have all the male babies murdered throughout the region. So we have to remember the, the, the time frame the Israelites were in in this history, in this, in this time frame, this, some 2,000 years ago. From Malachi, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. From Malachi to Matthew, does anybody remember how many years that spans? 400 years. From Malachi to Matthew was 400 years. The Israelites had not heard a peep from God for 400 years. Not a prophet, not an angelic messenger, not a peep. Nothing for 400 years. In their eyes, it seemed as if God had forgotten them. But as we read in the Bible, it tells us that heaven was operating completely normal. Amen? It tells us that God was right on schedule. He hadn't changed a thing. Again, we have to understand that God is not bound by time. Amen? He was patiently waiting for the world to be subdued by the heavy, oppressive hand of the Roman Empire. So why? Why did God wait so long? I actually gave you that answer last week. It's the same reason that he waited for 969 years to send the flood. Amen? It just happens to be how, how old Methuselah is, right? Methuselah's name. Everybody remember what that meant? When he dies, it will be sent. He's talking about the flood. 969 years God patiently waited. It's because of his long-suffering patience. It's because of his mercy. He was waiting for, for man's heart to be ready to accept Messiah. He was waiting for mankind's heart to be ready to accept Christ. What happens to us when we become oppressed? I'm talking about heavy oppression. We begin to think about God, don't we? We begin to think about our own spirituality. We begin to think about eternity. We begin to think about those spiritual things. And for Israel, they began to think about how hard it was to keep the law. How hard it was to keep the law. They began to think about the glory days of Israel. Their hearts longed for Messiah to come and set them free. 
And just when it seemed the darkest, right when it seemed that they were completely hopeless, heaven's silence was broken. God sent the angel Gabriel with the greatest news this world has ever heard. Amen. The long-awaited promised Messiah was to be born. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Listen to what God says. But when the fullness of time had come, now pay attention to that, the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. fullness of time. God was not ignoring their prayers. He was not indifferent to their heartaches. Nor was he late. Amen. The fullness of time. That means when the time was exactly perfect, God's timing is always flawless. But unfortunately, because we are bound by time, we have trouble seeing through the years. Amen? Secondly, not only do we have difficulty seeing through the years, we also have difficulty seeing through the tears. I will illustrate this with another Bible account. The Bible tells us of a of a family that was devastated by the loss of their loved one, a man named Lazarus. Lazarus had two very, very close sisters, Mary and Martha. Not only were they close to one another, but they were all, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, all three of them, not only were they a close-knit family, but they were also very close to Christ himself. John chapter 11. Let's pick up there. John chapter 11, starting right at verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary, who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So the Bible tells us here that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, this, this tight-knit family, they lived in Bethany. Bethany was a town just right outside of Jerusalem. Jesus was, uh, you know, would visit them quite often, the Bible tells us through the Gospels, that he would visit them quite often. And every time he came for dinner, they would prepare a massive feast fit for a king. Why? Well, he was a king. In fact, he's the king of kings. Amen? They recognized that. They understood that. And they prepared a feast fit for a king every time he came to town and was able to stay for dinner. And when Lazarus fell very sick, when he became extremely ill... The Bible tells us that, that Mary and Martha, they sent for him. They just knew that Jesus would come and that he would heal him. 
No doubt Jesus would drop whatever he was doing. Drop everything that he was doing and get to them as quickly as possible. He would show up at any time and heal Lazarus. Verse 3 tells us, Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Your dear friend, the one that you love, it's Lazarus, that, that dear friend of yours, the one that you love, it's him that's sick, Lord. Now I want, to, I want you to notice something here. They didn't ask for Jesus to come, did they? They just assumed that he would be there. They just assumed that he would drop everything and that he would come just by sending word that his dear friend Lazarus was sick. Amen? I want you to take note of that. Just take a mental note of that. Now, we can learn some things here from, from this passage and from this tight-knit family. Number one, when we have a need... We need to go to Christ immediately. Amen? Don't wait. When we have a need, we need to immediately go to Christ. We need to let him know what it is. But we also have to be mindful not to give him orders on how or when to fix it. Amen? That's the hard part, isn't it, when we pray? A lot of times we give, we like to give the Lord orders instead of just saying, Lord, here's my need. I turn it over to you. Amen. We need to go to him immediately, but also we need to just give it to him and not give him orders. We have to leave it in his hands. He's the expert, not us. Amen. Leave it in his hands. We're to call upon him in our time of need. The psalmist wrote in the 46th Psalm, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Literally means a very present help in our time of trouble. Amen? Go to him with our physical needs. Go to him with our family needs. Go to him with our heartaches and our hardships. We need to go to him immediately no matter what the need is. Amen? The book of James tells us, We have not because we what? We ask not. We don't have because we don't ask. Amen? When we have a need, we need to call upon Christ immediately, but let him handle it his way and in his time. Amen? Second thing. Go back to verse 3 again. I want you to catch something else here. They sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. I want us to see the basis for our appeal to Christ. The basis for us to go to Christ in our time of need. What is that basis? Notice that this verse didn't say, Lazarus, the one who loves you, did it? It doesn't say that. 
It says Lazarus. He's talking about Lazarus, the one whom you love. That is the basis for our appeal. It wasn't based on worthiness. They didn't appeal to Christ and say, you know, Lazarus loves you, so you should come. It wasn't based on worthiness. Amen? It says, he whom you love. It was based on Christ's love for him, and our appeal to Christ is the same way. It's based on his love for us. We don't call upon him based on our worthiness. We call upon him based on his unconditional, sacrificial love for us. Amen? That's what it's based upon 100%. Skip down to verse 4. When Jesus heard, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, I want you to catch verse 5, very simple verse, but it says tons. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. <laughs> that seems confusing to us, doesn't it? That doesn't seem to make sense to us. Because we are bound by time, we have difficulty seeing through the years, and we have difficulty seeing through the tears. It sounds like a contradiction. Jesus first says that he loves them, but it then says that he stayed another two days. If he truly loved them, wouldn't he drop everything and get there as quick as he could? Isn't that the sense that we make in our head? Well, for us to truly understand this passage, we, under, we have to understand the love of God. Amen? We have to understand Christ's love for us. It's agape love. Agape means it's unconditional. It's not based on anything. There's no give or take. It is all 100% unconditional, all-consuming, sacrificial love. Amen? A love that we honestly can't truly understand in the flesh. But that is the type of love that he loves us with. So we read here, it says, he loved them, therefore, that's why he stayed another two days. Again, that's hard for us to wrap our finite minds around an infinite God. So why? Why did he stay longer? The Bible tells us. Because he loved them. Because he loved them, he stayed the extra two days. This is the part that's difficult for us to understand. We call out to God in our time of need and we say, God, I need this. And I need it now. But then God doesn't answer the prayer right away and then we wrongfully start to conclude, maybe he doesn't love me enough. Maybe I'm not worthy of his love. Amen? Maybe he just doesn't care for me. But the truth is, he does love us. 
Amen. He loves us more than we can even, even fathom. More than we can even imagine. And it's because of that love for us as to why he didn't answer that prayer right away for you. Amen? Many times we cannot see through the tears. Our heart hurts so much. We're going through so much pain and so much hardship that we can't see through the tears. Our need, our pain is so great. We just can't see God's plan through our tear-filled eyes. Amen? So, we have to see through the proper perspective. Once we step back, once we dry those tears and we see God's hand the way it intervened from the very beginning. It's then that we realize just how much he loves us. Amen. We didn't see it through the years. We didn't see it through the tears. But when we dry those tears, we step back and we do see his hand at work. We truly see just how much he does love us. Amen. He was working things out the entire time. He was seeing things through his perfect perception, his perfect perspective. And he was working in his perfect timing. We have to be able to change our view to match God's love for us. Amen? We have to change our point of view to match God's unconditional love for us. He loves me and he loves you. Amen? That will and that can never change. Therefore, if he delays answering my prayer, then that delay has to be for my benefit. Amen? It has to be for my good. That must mean that he has something greater than I even thought of for me. We just have to trust him. Amen? Because of that agape love that he has for us. And then our text here for Mary and Martha that was their problem. They, they couldn't see through their tears. They were expecting Jesus to arrive immediately at any moment. But then hours rolled by. Then a day went by. Then another day went by. In fact, we read here, Jesus didn't even make the funeral. Amen? Didn't even make the funeral. Jesus finally shows up, the Bible tells us, after Lazarus was dead for four days. Amen? Skip down to verse 20. Staying in John 11. Skip down to verse 20. Then Martha 
As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What was Martha saying? Martha was saying, Lord, you blew it. Where were you? What took you so long? Now I want us to understand that it's okay for us to ask God questions. Amen? I've heard pastors say, you should never, yes, you, you can question God. There's no problem questioning God. Amen? As long as you're not questioning his existence, you can by all means question God. But the key is that you also have to listen for the answer. Amen? If you question God, you have to be patient and listen for his answer. For Martha, she said, Lord, you blew it. What took you so long? Verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to Jesus, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, that you are Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Listen, we need to understand that our Lord, he is a gracious, generous God. Amen? Our Lord is always looking to bless us with and give us more than we are even asking for. Amen? Jesus said in John 10, he said, I come to give them life and to give life more what? Abundantly. He was talking about abundant life here and now on this side of eternity. Amen? Our God is a generous God. He's always looking to give us more that we ask for. For Mary and Martha, they were, they were looking for a healing. What did Jesus give them? He gave them a resurrection. Amen? They were looking for a close friendship. What did Jesus give them? He gave them agape, sacrificial, unending love. They were looking for comfort here and now. What did Jesus give them? He gave them comfort, not just here and now, but through eternity to come. Amen. He is always looking to give us more than we even ask. Let's skip down to verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to Jesus, Lord, come and see. Shortest verse in all of the Bible. 
Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. God is moved by our sorrow. God is moved by our hardship. He is touched by our heartache. His spirit groans with our pains. Amen? We need to understand that. God is not indifferent to what we go through. And he knows exactly what we are going through. Psalm 56.8 You number my wonderings. You put my tears into your God cares so much that he collects every single tear that we shed and he keeps it in a bottle, a keepsake, because he is moved when we hurt. And Jesus standing in front of that tomb, seeing the tears of those he loved, the heartache that they were enduring, he was moved to tears. And he does the same for us. Skip down to verse 38. Then Jesus again groaning in himself. He came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of whom who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. For he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had been dead came out bound uh, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, Loose him and let him go. Friend, no matter what you're going through, no matter how long you've been going through it, no matter how heavy it's been weighing you down, come and bring it to Christ. Amen. Come and lay it at his feet. Let him set you free from it. Cast it upon him. Turn it over to him. And I pray that the Lord loose them and let them go.